Good morning, Harvest. Welcome and thanks uh, so much for joining us. Just a few notices to start off with. Um, we'd like to say thanks to all the men who attended the prayer meeting on Tuesday morning. That was a great success and we look forward to continuing with that initiative. And then also to all of those who prayed and fasted yesterday, thank you so much for doing that. Um, we, we really appreciate it and recognize that our church runs on the invisible engine of prayer. So important. Um, presents and gifts have started to come in for the orphans that we take care of. Thank you for that. Um, we've sent out a list of the ages and sexes of the children so as to assist you in, in selecting gifts. And those can be dropped off at the church office. And then next Sunday, we hope to be meeting at Gateway High School Hall. We're 99% certain that it will go ahead, um, but we will confirm that during the week. Um, Gateway High School Hall, 9 till 10.30, that's the time that we used to meet beforehand. And then also we will be having Christmas services as well, one on Christmas Eve from 6 until 7, and then one on Christmas Day from 8 uh, until 9 in the morning. I also wanted to add that our um, offices were broken into last night and I haven't heard yet uh, how much has been taken but Craig basically said that the offices had been ransacked and um, one of the implications of that I think will be that the church phone may well have been stolen because that often stays behind in the office uh, but we'll get, get back to you on that but if you are sending messages to the church phone and you don't get a response that could well be the reason why. Well, let's uh, take a moment to pray before we go into today's sermon. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you that you are the creator and the sustainer of everyone and everything. And we thank you that nothing happens um, beyond your control and beyond your plan. Everything happens according to your will and according to your purpose. And Father, as we come to reflect on that first Christmas which happened 2,000 years ago, we ask that you would inspire us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us would recognize that we live in troubled times and one of the difficulties of living in troubled times is we feel that there are forces that come to bear on us which are completely beyond our control and they seem very random and impersonal. For example, this year the COVID-19 storm blew in, um, which in itself was bad enough. But then it's as if governments <laughs> all over the world have set fires of chaos and mismanagement and self-interest and compounded the problem that was already there. And things are just not much better when we come closer to home either. You may have noticed this. Over the years, Zimbabwe has had its problems. I'm sure this doesn't come as any news to you. Droughts, AIDS, a trade deficit, struggling formal sector, unemployment, shortage of power. I mean, the list just goes on and on, so let's not even get started. But it seems that all the institutions that have been set up by society here in Zimbabwe to serve society are hell-bent on adding to the problem, on to compounding the problem. And instead of putting out the fires, 
the government and Zimra and the police are all pouring petrol onto the flames. So because Christmas is just around the corner, we're going to go back to the first Christmas to see whether we can find some encouragement and perspective. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to consider Christmas from the perspective of Mary and Joseph. Now, a lot of the problems that I've been talking about go with living in a fallen world, a world into which sin and death have been allowed to come as a result of our rebellion against God. And Mary and Joseph were no strangers to the vagaries of living in a fallen world. I'd like to read from Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Imagine that, all the known world at the time to be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered. Now notice this. It says, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. We're not too sure why Joseph was living up in Nazareth, but we think it's probably because his father, who, was, who would also have been um, a builder and a carpenter, was, had to move away from Bethlehem up into the north so that they could be close to an area called the Decapolis, where there was a lot of economic growth and development happening at the time. And many people are in this situation in the world today. People end up living and working far away from what they would see as being home. Places where they're not necessarily comfortable, places where they're amongst strangers, and it's the nature of living in a fallen world. But then to compound this problem, this tyrannical despot, Caesar Augustus, decides that there's going to be a census and that everybody needs to be registered. But um, not only does he stir up the world by um, requiring this, but he requires that everybody goes to their hometown, which would have meant that Mary and Joseph had to travel about 75 to 80 kilometers on foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They couldn't take the most direct route through Samaria because in those days Jews didn't try, travel through Samaria if they possibly could because they were concerned about being made unclean in Samaria. So they would have traveled um, east across the Jordan River, then all the way south down the Jordan River and then west again up through the hills and the mountains to Bethlehem. Just a complete and utter inconvenience imposed by an impersonal, self-serving, governmental decree. Now, the national setting of Christ's birth was not the start of Mary and Joseph's suffering. By no means. They had to travel, as we've seen, all the way from um, Nazareth to Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. I'm continuing to read from, from Luke chapter 2. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The scenario is that everybody 
would have been traveling back to their hometown. There would have been crowds and crowds and multitudes of people in Bethlehem coming from all over the known world. The accommodation was at a premium. They weren't able to find a place that they could afford. She was pregnant. She'd had to travel all of this way, pregnant, heavily pregnant. And then she gave birth in, um, a, 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 what do you call it, Don? Gave Gave birth in a barn. Thank you, Don. <laughs> That's really helpful. <laughs> gave birth in a barn and they put Jesus into a manger. So that was the national setting of Christ's birth, but it wasn't the start by any means of the suffering that Mary and Joseph went through. They also suffered for the sake of obedience to God. And now I'm going to look at Matthew 1 verse 18. Just read between the lines here. Just imagine if this was describing you, the scenario that pertained to your life when you got engaged. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, in other words, before they had sex, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Just try and explain that one. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things such a short little sentence but as he considered these things i just can imagine joseph night after night wrestling with himself and thinking what is the story here i i really don't believe that mary would have been unfaithful to me and yet she is pregnant she is visibly visibly pregnant she has been found to be with child as luke puts it here her body is starting to swell and she's telling me that it was conceived by the Holy Spirit can you imagine the turmoil this man was going through and of course in those days um, betrothal or engagement was a legal um, institution so once um, you had decided to, to, to be betrothed to someone else or once you were betrothed to someone else a legal agreement was signed and that legal agreement meant that you were going to get married unless somebody died and also that you were going to be faithful to one another until such time as you got married. And to break that agreement was a, was a huge thing. It was a real, real handstand. And, and Joseph could have gone to the courts and broken off that agreement in a very open uh, way. He could have shamed Mary openly but he was a good man. He was a loving man. He didn't want to do that. And he, I think, probably believed deep down, even though there were still questions, that Mary had been faithful to him. And so he was considering these things. You know, when God breaks into the world, sometimes he causes a lot of discomfort for those who love him and who want to serve him. Let's carry on at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. You will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That was the prophet Isaiah from hundreds of years before. And Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, listen to this, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, he married her. He went ahead and married her when it was visible that she was pregnant. And then for however many months, he wasn't able to sleep with her. That must have been a difficult task. Imagine having a wife under your roof, your new wife, and not being able to sleep with her. A lot of discomfort, if you like, a lot of hardship. And being in a small town, you know, small towns are not terribly kind on teenage girls that seem to have had children out of wedlock. They're not very kind. It would have been hard. So Mary and Joseph, they suffered in a fallen world and they suffered for their obedience to God. But they also suffered because they posed a threat. They posed a threat not only to the kingdoms of the earth, but also to the controlling power behind the kingdoms of the earth, Satan himself and Satan's kingdom. Let's read from Matthew 2 verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Can you imagine? Flee to another country all that way through the desert with a little child and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night. They started off the journey in the night, rushed, sudden, and they departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Let's carry on reading. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, a reference to all the Jewish women there, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Folks, that was the sound of the first Christmas, not jingle bells playing in a department store but the sound of Rachel weeping for her children. She couldn't be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So they had to escape to Egypt because Satan wanted to destroy the child. And then when they came back, they couldn't settle where they would have liked to have settled, close to Bethlehem, close in a sense to the family home, amongst the tribe of David, people that they knew and related to. No, they had to go back up to Nazareth again. Now maybe at this point, someone is just saying, well, where's the encouragement and the comfort in all of this suffering and hardship? 
Well, let's take the census, for example. Herod had asked all the religious specialists where the Messiah was going to be born. And what was their answer? Bethlehem, as foretold by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. But I mean, how could that be? Mary was pregnant and about to deliver her child in Nazareth. But she didn't end up giving birth to that child in, in Nazareth, did she? No, because an autocratic tyrant called Caesar Augustus, following his own selfish agenda, without any consideration for the suffering of ordinary people, made sure that God's plan was fulfilled by calling for a census and insisting that everyone went to his family, family's town of origin to register. So although Mary and Joseph suffered because of a fallen world, because of this decree of Caesar Augustus, everything, everything was working out according to God's plan. Now let's just have a look at, at that plan as revealed by the prophets. And remember, it was coming out in the readings that I've just done. The first one, that God's son would be called out of Egypt, out of Egypt of all places. That was in Matthew 2.15, and he's quoting Hosea 11, verse 1, a prophet who lived hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. That God, God's son would come out of Egypt. How was that going to happen? And then that he was going to be a Nazarene. How was that going to happen? And that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. How were those three things going to happen? Well, the kingdom of God was breaking into the world through this tiny baby. He was the true king, but King Herod was having none of it. Mary and Joseph posed a threat and they suffered for it. But everything was working out according to God's plan. Let's move on to another aspect of God's plan. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23, quoting Isaiah 7 verse 14. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin teenage girl in a little village called Nazareth. And that required Mary and Joseph's unconditional obedience. And they suffered for it. But everything was working out according to God's plan. Folks, these people, Mary and Joseph, and they're so inspiring. They suffered hardship, as many of us do, because they lived in a fallen world. They suffered hardship, as many of us should and do, because we pose a threat to Satan. And they suffered hardship because they were obedient to God. But was all of that hardship meaningless? Was all of that suffering fruitless? By no means. God was working out everything according to his plan. And that's why it wasn't meaningless and fruitless. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And that name Emmanuel means God with us. As a result of what Mary and Joseph went through, God came to dwell amongst us. He came to live amongst us, to start revealing himself to mankind, to start cleaning up the mess that we had created thousands of years before when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and set the scene for every other human being to rebel against God as well. And just as Mary and Joseph suffered hardship because they lived in a fallen world, they were obedient to God and they were a threat to Satan, so did Jesus. 
But was his hardship meaningless? Was his suffering fruitless? Two of the disciples, Peter and John, they went to the temple one day and they healed a crippled beggar. Now this was a stupendous public miracle and nobody could dispute it because this beggar had been begging at the main entrance to the temple for years and years and years. Everybody knew him. Everybody saw him being carried to his position and being carried away. And now they saw him walking and leaping and dancing and praising God. And so Peter and John used that sign to proclaim Jesus as the resurrection of the dead. And because of that, because they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead, they were arrested and subsequently forbidden to speak or teach in the name of Jesus by the Jewish authorities. Listen to what they said to the Jewish authorities. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And after this, when they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our forefather David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Listen to this. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Jesus' suffering, and the disciples understood this, was according to God's plan. Their suffering and the threats that they were about to experience the hardships that they were about to experience was all part of God's plan. Now maybe someone says, well, you know, that's okay. that's okay. God had a plan, I get it, for Mary and Joseph. He had a plan for Jesus. But does God have a plan for me? He does. And nothing, absolutely nothing, falls beyond the scope of God's plan for your life. This is what Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 11. He says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Having been predestined by him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Folks, there is no such thing as a random force. No such thing as meanings, meaningless circumstances. Yes, 
these things may be beyond our control, but they are not beyond God's control. God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Mary and Joseph were uncomfortable. They suffered on many occasions, but they were safe and secure as they brought Emmanuel into the world, God with us, the one who would save His people from their sins. Wasn't that what the prophets prophesied? They believed that this suffering and this hardship was worth enduring. And that's our job as well. Our job is to introduce people to Emmanuel, God with us. What a privilege, folks. And that's what we must concentrate on at this Christmas time. We must concentrate on God and the plan that He is working out in this world. Let's not concentrate and be distracted by the hardships and the things that are going on in this world. God is working through all of those things for our good because we love Him. He's working through all of those things so that we can bring His Son, God, with us into the world, just as Mary did and, and Joseph did at that first Christmas. Shall we pray? Father God, we're immensely grateful to you that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to be God with us, to be you amongst us, to reveal yourself to us, and to make a way to clean up the mess that was created by our rebellion against you. Thank you for sending Jesus. And in many ways, we thank you that his coming into this world wasn't a clean, sanitized, organized thing in our perspective, from our perspective, but from your perspective, it happened exactly as you wanted it to happen. You, you're an amazing God. You, you actually, Father God, you use the plans of Satan to defeat Satan. It's just so amazing to think of that, Father God. We, we just think of how Satan was trying to destroy Jesus right at the start. And yet in the process, he was shooting himself in the foot because all the prophecies were being fulfilled. And then Satan had a plan to kill Jesus on the cross. And yet it was in that very thing that made it possible for us all to be reconciled to, to you. Father, we thank you that we have this confidence in a world that has gone awry, but which is still under your control. We thank you that you use the plans of Satan to defeat Satan. And we're so grateful of this. We submit ourselves to you, Lord. Help us to concentrate on you, to do the work of bringing you into the world by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for signing in, and we'll see you again shortly. Bye for now.